And let's go to Genesis chapter 14. Now we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to read verses 11 through 16, and then we're going to skip 17 and jump into 18, okay? So uh, Genesis chapter 14. Now, just so you know, this is the very first time. I'll move out of the way. Some of y'all are trying to see. This is the very first time that tithing is mentioned in the Bible, when you hear preachers say that, well, tithing is it was only started and only was beginning to discuss in the in the New Testament, that's wrong. It's all throughout the Old Testament, starting in Genesis. Okay, the very first book of the Bible here, and so uh, tithing goes way way back. Okay, to to pretty much the beginning. Um, so Genesis chapter fourteen. You know what I'll do is I'll just y'all are really trying to see this, so I'll just get out of the way. All right, so. Um, it says this, it says, The four kings took all of the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food and went on. They also took Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions, for he was living in Sodom, and they went on. Now stop before the next verse here. What you need to know what's happening is there's been this, uh, a, there's been this battle, so to speak, uh, that's been going on. And they have come in and they have taken everything that belonged to Abram and Lot and his family and all this kind of stuff. There's been this mass seizure that's taken place, okay? They came in, took a bunch of the people, took, took their possessions, all of that, and went back. And so that's where we are, right? All right, so next verse. It says, One of the survivors came and told Abram, the Hebrew, who lived near the oaks belonging to Maber, the Amorite, uh, the brother of Eshkel and the brother of Adner, they were bound by a treaty with Abram. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken prisoner, he assembled his 318 trained men, born in his household, and they went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, isn't that cool to have your own little personal army? All right, next. And he and his servants deployed against them by night, attacked them, and pursued them as far as Habah to the north of Damascus. He brought back all the goods, everybody say all the goods, and also his relative Lot and all his goods, say all his goods, as well as the women and other people. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God most high. He blessed him and said, Abram is blessed uh, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And I give praise to God most high who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram, here it is right here, look at this. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. I'm going to break this all down because it, it can seem kind of confusing. Um, but I'm going to break this all down for you. But before I do, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this word this morning, God. We thank you, Lord God, for teaching us something today, Father. We bless you, Lord. And we just thank you, Father God, for everything, Lord, that you have given unto us, Lord. We thank you, Father God, Lord, that, God, you have provided our every need. Lord, you provide us with all that we have, all that we ever will have, God. And, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, Lord, for this, this topic of generosity and this ability and, uh, and, and the obedience, Lord, that you look for when it comes to giving. So, God, we are an obedient people who choose to follow you and your word. And so, Father, we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're taking notes, the title of this message is The Greatest Lifestyle, Part 2. All right, two weeks ago we talked about the greatest lifestyle. All right, we're talking about tithing. All right, when you are a uh, tither, 
then we, we, we tithe, then we live a great lifestyle. It's a great, it's a lifestyle out of abundance. Amen. It's a lifestyle of blessings. Hallelujah. And, um, and so uh, this is part two of that. All right. So here, here we go. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some statistics that are going to really blow your mind. Okay. And I just want you to listen. Um, you don't necessarily have to write this down. But this is up to date, okay? This, is, this, was, this was just completed, all right? Um, this is about the church in 2023, all right? When it comes to the area of giving and comes to the area of tithe, all right? This is a survey that was taken of 1,000 churches, okay? So every attendee, every member, if you will, from 1,000 different churches across the United States, I don't know what size churches. I don't know how many people that includes. But if you just said that there was a hundred in each of the thousand churches, that's a lot of people right there. So just think about the, the and just imagine how many people this could be representing. Okay, listen to this: the average attendee, the average church attendee, twenty twenty three, gives two point four percent of their annual income to the church. 2.4, not 10%, not even the 10% and the offering over and above, but the average person sitting in an American church today across the United States only gives 2.4% of everything that comes into their life. And you wonder why people struggle. You wonder why churches end up closing their doors. Because people aren't being obedient to what the Word of God says, number one. But number two, churches can't survive on 2.4%. Everybody got that? So you know what this shows me? That, you know, people tip. I mean, think about this. I mean, you go to a restaurant, even if you go to a restaurant once a week, okay, if that's you. Maybe you go more than that. I don't know. Okay, maybe not even at all. But people tip waitresses and waiters at restaurants better than they give to the Lord. You will give 18% of your bill or 20% of your bill, or maybe some of you might do more. If you feel like, oh, my waitress did really, really good. and You, give, you end up giving more to waitresses and waiters than you do to God. That's what the American church is doing right now. Now, is that a bad thing to give people to give people and to tip? No, no, no. We need to be doing that too, okay? But when you add that up over the course of a, a year, you're actually giving more to restaurants than you are to God. Not just what you pay for your food. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the tip, okay? So we're more inclined to tip people than to give to God. And so we got a problem, Right? What, and it's, it's a priorities problem. It's a priority problem in the church. What is wrong with the 2.4%? Well, first of all, it isn't, 100, it isn't 10%. Excuse me. It isn't 10%. Right there, that's the, the biggest mistake right off the bat. When we survey a thousand different churches and everybody in the church, what we should hear is that the average giving is 10% or more. Or more. But 2.4%. Okay. Now, now listen to this. If you think that the 2.4% thing is bad, now listen to this. 
44% of people sitting in churches all across America don't even know what tithing is. 44% of people sitting in churches, a thousand churches across America, don't even know what tithing is. That is a big problem, church. That is a huge problem. We're not teaching people the word of God. It's not that they don't know. It's that we're not telling them. We're not teaching it to them. How will people know what to do if they're not first told? So this is falling on on pastors now, church leaders, okay? People that represent bodies of Christ, okay, is what we're talking about here. We have a lack of understanding when it comes to tithing because we're not teaching biblical principles, Okay, we're teaching them things that make them feel good. We're teaching them things that tickle their ears, but we're not teaching them biblical principles of the word of God. And we have a problem. We have a problem. Imagine if people actually learned about it, received that revelation and gave their 10 percent across the board. Churches would be able to do more for their communities, more for their cities, more for lost souls than ever before. But yet, we've got to do fundraisers in order to do community events. Why? It's because people aren't being obedient to the Word of God. The church should have an abundance of flow of money. It should. That's the way it should be. I believe that's the way God intended it to be. The church should never lack should lack for nothing. We should be able to do whatever we want, how we want. I'm not saying go blow money and buy this and that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying we should be able to do things for people, for our communities, for our cities, for those that God has surrounded us with. We should be able to do those things with no problem, not even bat an eye over it. But we we can't do that in the Church of America because people are so stingy with their money. So, again, we're not giving what God deserves. We're giving what's left over. It's that whole concept of just giving him the leftovers. That's not what God's looking for. He says, give me the first best. Give me your best first. Okay? So, now back to, well, anyways, let's just do this. So, we're not teaching people, right? And if you look at this story when it comes to Abram or Abraham is name later gets changed to. But if you look at this story uh, of Abraham, Abraham, uh, after he had the victory, he got his family back, okay? He got all of his spoils, all of his possessions, right? And as a matter of fact, um, he's he returns back home, the Bible says, with more than what was taken from him, all right? Well, we, we hear this word, this, this phrase tossed around a lot. Um, I, I hear it a lot lately, uh, but it's true. It's a, something called a wealth transfer, okay? Uh, I believe in a wealth transfer when it comes to the things of God. Abraham lost everything, all of his possessions, his whole family. He went and got it all back, and then he had more than he had once he got it back. There was a wealth transfer that occurred. Hallelujah. If you look at Hebrews, let's look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4. Be on the screen here. Look at, look at this. This is, talking, this is talking about this same story, the same time. 
but we're, we're in the New Testament. Okay, it says, now consider how great this man was. Even Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the plunder to him. So Abraham understood this. He understood this whole concept. So don't miss this. Just because, just because you've got stuff doesn't mean you're blessed. Just because you've got stuff doesn't mean you're blessed. Just because you've got money doesn't mean that you're blessed. It says that Melchizedek, follow me here, Melchizedek blessed Abram after the victory. Melchizedek did not bless Abram before the victory. He blessed Abram after the victory. After he had everything back, Melchizedek blessed him with even more. Wouldn't you think that because he got everything back that he was already blessed? Well, not to Melchizedek he wasn't. Melchizedek wanted to do more. You see, Abram understood that even though he had everything, he had nothing without the blessing of God. You can have all of the stuff in the world. You can have all of the money in the bank account and not have his blessing on it and you will be miserable. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. It's just the truth. But when you are obedient to the word of God, and especially when it comes to the area of tithing like we're talking about today, when you are obedient in that way, then God puts his blessing on everything that you have. Hallelujah. I want to live that way. I want to have his hand of blessing over all of my possessions, right? Over my family, over everything, all right? And that's the way that we should want to live. Melchizedek couldn't give him stuff. Abraham had plenty of stuff. He couldn't give him stuff, right? But it was the blessing of God that made him blessed. Have you ever met someone who was rich but miserable? Right? Rich but miserable. But let's reverse it. Have you ever met someone who was constantly struggling but had so much joy? We all have. We've all met people that were just miserable in all of their riches. But we've also met people who struggled real bad, constantly, but yet had so much joy. Why is that? Happiness may be attached to what you have, but joy is attached to who you got. Amen? Happiness is attached to what you have, but joy is attached to who you've got. Hallelujah. When you've got God and you've got his hand and his blessing over your life, that is when joy is activated. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. So you can be happy in some things but still lack joy. Happiness and joy is not the same. Okay? There is a spirit of joy that can come upon you when you are obedient to the word of God and when God's hand is over you and his blessing is made available to you. Everybody say amen. amen. So you have, been, you have been blessed by the possessor of heaven and earth. Think about that. The one that created all of the heavens and all of the earth and everything therein, his hand of blessing is on you. The one that was able to look in the vast of darkness and say light. And all of a sudden there was light. The power that is contained within God himself. That blessing of God is upon you. Hallelujah. 
He didn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to put his blessing upon us. But he does. Amen? Come on, shout unto the Lord if you're blessed by him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for our many blessings, God. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing over our life. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we could be so lost and messed up and miserable right now, but, God, you have blessed us. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for everything, Lord, that you have given us. Thank you, Lord. So why should you tithe? Last time I gave you three reasons why people don't tithe, but I'm going to give you three reasons why you should tithe. Amen? So if you're taking notes this morning, here comes number one on the screen. Number one is this. It keeps ownership in perspective. It keeps ownership in perspective. Everything you, quote, own, you don't own. God owns it. It's God's. God gave it to you. God blessed you with it. It is he, amen? It is he who provided everything unto you. When you tithe, you're literally saying, I know who this belongs to and where it comes from. When you tithe, I know who this 10% belongs to, but I'm also fully aware, aware of where it came from. It came from God, and I'm returning it back to him because it belongs to him. Amen? Come on, tell, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you don't own anything. You don't own a single thing. I'm sorry. You say, well, I own a home. I own a car. I own this. I own that. No, you don't. Okay? You see, you are called in the word of God to be a good steward of everything you've got. God's called us to be good stewards of everything that we got. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's what Psalm 24 says. The earth is the Lord's. It's not ours. And everything that's in it belongs to him. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, but pastor, my name is on the note. My name is on the deed. My name is on the property. Okay. Well, your name is on the deed, but you're borrowing his dirt. My God. Well, I own the car. Okay? Well, you're driving the car, but you're driving on the, on the, on the ground that he created. You're borrowing it. You've got to understand this. You, know, you, you, you don't own nothing. You're blessed with the things that you get to borrow. <laughs> okay? Think about it that way. I mean, you're blessed with the ability to be able to borrow, to be able to, to do what you, what you do and have what you have, okay? But it all comes from God. It's all owned by God, amen? Everything you possess came from God. So when you act like it's yours, then you've forgotten where it's come from. Oh, I worked hard for this. I earned this. I know you worked hard, but God blessed you with the ability to be able to work that job, <laughs> Okay, you didn't work hard. God gave you that job so that you can get what you need to get in your household. Come on, somebody. Okay, so you, when you make it about yourself, you, you get that spirit of pride. Well, I do this and I earn this and I've got this and I own that. That's pride talking. 
That's pride talking. You ought to live your life in a way that you constantly look back and say, look what the Lord has done. That's the way you should live your life. Look what the Lord has done. You know, someone comes into your house for the first time. Look what the Lord has done. Not look what I did. Not look what I accomplished. Not look at what my career paid off. The, you know. No, look what the Lord has done. Okay, you get a new car. Oh, I worked hard for this new. No, look what the Lord has done. Right. You get a raise at your job. It's not because you get, no, no, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the way you've got to live your life. And how many times did he make a way where there seemed to be no way? I mean, think about it. How many times did he do that for you? More times than you can even count on your hands. He made a way where there seemed to be no way. How many times did he open up a door for you that not even your haters could shut? More times than you can count. He opened up doors for you. He made way for you. He granted you access into things. It was all from Him. It was all because of Him. He's blessed you coming in, and He's blessed you going out. Hallelujah. So you ought to live your life that way. Amen? Where He constantly gets all the glory. God, you get all the glory. I have to constantly remind myself of that. You know? We were just telling someone the other day, got you know, all this stuff sitting back here and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment. I said, well, we, we did campaigns and we raised the money to get it. Well, then I'm convicted because, well, yeah, we did a campaign, but God's the one that provided it. Okay, so he has to get all the glory. Not what we did. He's got to get all the glory for everything. Amen. And we've got to live that way. We've got to constantly be reminded of that. Because as soon as we start jumping into what we have done, then that's when he says, oh, really? You don't remember that blessing? You don't remember that I'm the one that did this? I'm the one that did that? I'm telling you, the, the hand of the Lord when it comes to his blessings can be released off of you just as quick as it's put on you. We've got to be careful. We have got to get careful. So listen, every time you tithe, you need to remember that 100%, that all 100% came from God, and He is the blesser. So what tithing does for us is it puts ownership into perspective. We don't own a thing. God's blessed us with everything. Amen? Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. All right, number two is this. Man receives it. But God accepts it. Man receives it, but God accepts it. Now, this is where you got to get real careful. Because this is where it can, things can get tricky. And this is where people mess up and fall short. You hear of pastors and stuff. You know, taking money from the church. You know, you hear of elders and deacons and pastors stealing the church offering. <laughs> you know, you, you've heard of all kinds of stuff. I mean, when you're in, you know, you, you hear all kinds of things that happen. But man receives it, but God is the one that accepts it. Now, Genesis 14 and Hebrews 7 both tell us that Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe. Okay, 
Now watch this. He gave to Melchizedek, but God received it as his. That's what the word of God said. He gave it to man, but God was the one that received it as his. What's the point? When you tithe, the Lord uses it for his kingdom upon the earth. It goes into the hands of men for the sake of the kingdom of God. There are a lot of crooked people out there that are standing in front of people just like I am today. And they are living the high life. And they're robbing from God. They're taking what belongs to God. Now, there's nothing wrong with a paycheck. There's nothing wrong with a pastor receiving a paycheck or receiving a stipend or whatever you want to call it for the work that he does in order to lead the flock. There is nothing wrong with that. Pastors should get paid. They absolutely should. And it's biblical. But pastors should not rob from the churches and rob from the people. Okay, I've, I've seen pre- preachers get up there and say, my wife and I want to go on vacation if you feel like blessing us. No! Let God speak to the people about blessing you. You know? I mean, the, you see people living crazy lifestyles with more money than you could ever dream of and they're pastors of congregations. And you've got to know that if 2.4% is coming in, see what I'm saying? I'm saying it without saying it because I'm trying to be careful. But it's the truth. And we, 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 we get things so messed up and so twisted and tainted, and then we wonder why we can't trust our spiritual leaders. You know? I mean, you've got people struggling in churches that can't even afford to pay their bills and you've got all of the leadership going on extended vacations together and going to the fanciest of restaurants and $1,000 bills and all this kind of stuff. It's like, hold on, we've got this all messed up here. And, and it has become that way. And so we got to be careful because when we say man receives it, it's for the sake of the kingdom. Man doesn't receive it for himself. Man receives it for the sake of the kingdom. So when the tithes all come in and the giving comes in, well, you got to pay the bills of the church. You got to do all those things. Yeah, that's important. But then you got you to say, okay, where, where does this money, where can this money go to advance the kingdom of God? That should be priority number one. Not, well, what can I take this month? What can I have out of this? No. Because if you do that, I'm telling you, number one, it's sin. <laughs> but you are setting yourself up for absolute disaster and failure. So, when you tithe, you are testifying that you believe that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. When you tithe, it's a form of testifying. It's a form of testimony. Hallelujah. Because listen, why would you pay a dead king? 
You wouldn't give a dead king or a dead president anything. But one that's alive and doing stuff, you would. So we serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who is fully alive and well and active and doing all kinds of things upon the earth today. So we give as a testimony to what he has done for us, but what he is going to do for others. Amen. We don't tithe because the church needs it. We don't tithe because we want to pay our pastor's salary. We don't tithe for any of those. We tithe because we say, thank you, God, for what you have done for me. Thank you, God, for what you blessed me. And now I'm putting this back into your hands and just so that I can see to it that kingdom work gets done. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. I'm not tithing to a dead king. I'm not tithing to a dead Savior. Hallelujah. I'm a tithing to a Savior and the King and the Lord of Lords who is alive and well. My King conquered death, hell, and the grave is what the Bible says. Hallelujah. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And what did He do it for? He did it for you and me. So my God, 10%, no big deal. God, I'll give you more than that. For everything you've done for me, you deserve a whole lot more than my 10%. He says only 10%. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, you don't tithe to keep the church lights on. God's got that taken care of. You don't tithe to keep the church lights on. You tithe because you know the God who is blessing you and your family is still working on your behalf. Still working. Come on, somebody say he's still working. He's still working. Hallelujah. So, number one, it keeps ownership in perspective. Number two, man receives it, but God accepts it. And number three is this. You testify that you'll never trust anything other than God. Hallelujah. When you tithe, this is why you should tithe. It's saying that I'm not going to trust anybody else or anything else than my king and my savior. I trust my father. Hallelujah. My trust is in him and in him alone. In him alone. In him alone I trust. Why? Because in him alone I live and breathe and have my being. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man will fail you, but God never will. Man, you you say you know, you may someone may borrow money from you, and may you may borrow something from somebody else, or well, you may never get it back. They'll fail you time and time again. But when you give unto God, he says, My promises are yes and amen. Everything that I have promised you shall come to pass, hallelujah, in my name. And so when you give unto me and you are obedient in that way, guess what? You have got blessings coming your way that you can't even imagine. I am opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out my blessings upon you. That's what the Word of God says. So you testify that you'll never trust anything other than God. Now, let's go back to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14, all right? 
Let's read a little bit down further than where we left off. We're going to read starting in verse 22, and we're going to read verses 22 uh, through 24. Okay, 22 through 24. This is it right here. Everything you need is right here. So Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand in an oath to Yahweh God, Most High, Creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that belongs to you, so you can never say, I made Abram rich. I will take nothing except what the, Lord, what the servants have eaten. But as, for, but as for the share of the men who came with me, Aner, Ashkel, and Mamre, they can take their share. Now this is really interesting. Because he says, I'm not, you, take, you, you took everything from me, but I'm not even going to take a strap off of your sandal. You know, and we think about people that have maybe taken from us, robbed from us in whatever kind of way. And your thought is, well, what? I'm going to get them. <laughs> I'm going to get them back. I'm going I'm to take something from them. You know, we have those thoughts that come across our mind. But Abram lived in such a way that he understood that if I go back now, and try to take something after what God has blessed me with, I could probably lose it all again. I might not be able to eat again. <laughs> and so when you have the hand of God over your life, and he has blessed you, you don't need to take from anybody else. You don't need to worry about getting back at anybody else. Abraham understood, if I, I just got blessed by God. If I go back and try to cause more problems, I might lose my blessing. Listen to me, church. You can't lose your blessing. You can't afford to lose your blessing by foolish, petty things. By trying to take back or rob from others or whatever it may be. You have got to make up your mind that you're either going to be a slave to the world or you're going to be a slave and a son of the living God. The Bible says no man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. The Bible says that no man can serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Mammon is a spirit. Spirit of mammon. And you got to learn how to tell mammon, which is the spirit of this world, that you didn't save me. You didn't bless me. Come on, the world didn't save you. The world didn't bless you. You didn't save me. You didn't bless me. You didn't set me free. But the God of the heavens and the earth did. Amen? And I'm telling you this morning that if you just learn how to trust God in the area of your tithe, you will partner with God and you will never become a slave to the world ever again. You will partner 
with God and you'll never become a slave to an inferior source ever again. You'll never become a slave to your boss and your job and your career. Never, ever again. Every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father above. Hallelujah. You should tithe. You should tithe. He says, when you tithe, I rebuke the devourer off of you. That alone right there gives me all the reason to do it. (laughs) Why? I don't want to be miserable. I don't want to have enough money, but still in my mind think I don't have enough money. I don't want to be miserable like that. I don't want to try to live my life where I have to try to hold all my money back and keep it safe and protected in my own hands. Because I think someone's going to come take it. No. You should live a free life. Freedom. Freedom. <laughs> Thank you, God, for everything you've given me. God, it all came from you. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to try to reserve it. I'm not going to keep it back away from you. And I know that you rebuked the devourer, so nobody can come take it away from me. <laughs> Nobody's coming to steal my money. Nobody's coming to take the things that you have blessed me with. Hallelujah. But I have all of it, and I have more than enough because of you, God. He rebukes the devourer off of your life. No more lack. No more fear. No more struggle. None of those things. Now, let's be real. There are times where you're like, God, (laughs) what are we going to do? Come on, am I being real? Things are a little tight. Or something happens in the house or, you know, or whatever, you know. It's like, whoa, you know. It's like this past summer when our air conditioning went out. And we're looking at thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that we're going to have to pay. Lord, <laughs> you said you rebuke the devourer. You said, you know, that we're blessed and we're obedient to you. But you see this bill? <laughs> and listen, there are times where that's going to happen. And, you know, oftentimes, and I don't believe there's nothing wrong with this, but oftentimes I believe God likes to test us, <laughs> you know, and he does. But he, at the end of the day, it's for our good. It really is because it helps us, makes us better, teaches us, trains us, you know. You know, even in the midst of a struggle, he says, can you still tithe? Are you going to still trust me? Are you going to still be obedient? 
yeah, I know maybe this huge bill came across your desk. And when you think about it, you ain't going to have much left after it. But he says, can you still put me first? Can you still tithe? He says, when you do that, I'll make sure you have everything you need for that bill. It's the way he works. And I don't have to worry about the enemy coming to still kill and destroy. Because he's a defeated foe. He's under my feet. We get so fearful of what the devil could do. Can I tell you something? He can't do nothing to you. He can't do a thing to you. Especially when you are faithful and obedient to the area of the tithe. He cannot touch you. I'm telling you, he cannot touch you. And the only way that he does touch you is if you let him in. Oh, Lord, that's a whole nother message. But he can't touch you. He can have nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with your resources and your money and your finances. When you turn around and give to the Lord what belongs to him, the devil says, yikes. And he can't. He can't do it. 